Hi, this is Karen Allen from Animal House and Raiders of the Lost Ark, and you're listening to The Claws Corner. Welcome to the latest episode of The Claws Corner. Today, I welcome paranormal investigators Danny and Lauren Radical. Danny has been dabbling in the paranormal field since the late 80s, but became serious in the mid-90s, shortly after meeting up with Ed and Lorraine Warren. Since then, it has been his passion to work with those in need of help with the unknown and supernatural. Lauren's interest in the supernatural goes back to her early days watching Ghostbusters as a child and progressed as paranormal shows started to develop on TV. She has been working in the paranormal field since 2012, and founded her own team in 2015. The two met in 2017 and combined their interest in the unknown. They recently released their first book, Paranormal Investigations, A Beginner's Guide to the Supernatural. It debuted at number 42 on Amazon's Ghosts and Hauntings. Here to talk about that and much, much more are Danny and Lauren Radical. Welcome to the show. Gary. Hi. So good to have you. As I was mentioning off the air, I've known the two of you probably for about four, five years. I met you at the Ocean State Paracon when it was in Harrisville, right over by the Conjuring House. Yep. And I've wanted you on the show since then. And <laughs> finally, so, <laughs> the wait is over. We're here. <laughs> so let's get right into it. Very recently, I was watching Hulu, and episode four of the television show Repossessed was on. So let's talk about that. OK. Go ahead, Lauren. Oh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, it was um, filmed in the Isaac, not Isaac Morse, um, Murdoch Whitney House in Wichington, Massachusetts. Um, we brought a few items and there's a few other people there. And um, we got to meet Lee and Mo and Marika. Marika. Yeah, yep. um, and we just had a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun and it got, there was one point where it got really emotional. I did see part of it because I mean the I know they edit things down so that you in the show you only had one um, item. What was the item they had on the show? Uh, we had uh, the what was it the, the stone? Yeah, the headstone, the headstone. from Danvers <clears throat> Asylum. Uh, we did bring another piece with us, which is the Inkisi that didn't make it on the show, but it's in the credits. Okay, it's in because the show I, intro. And I noticed, um, Lauren, you became very emotional during that. I did, but the thing that they didn't catch was that Danny was crying as well. I was crying just as bad as she was, but they edited it out. That's funny. <laughs> See, I think that would have been great TV. See, I exactly. thought so as well. I was like, oh man, they're gonna get me on there all crying like a little girl. <laughs> <laughs> nope, they just got me crying. Yep. Well, what's interesting about that is I wanted to talk about this. Let's start it now because you are a skeptic, Danny. I am. So how, why did this item affect you so much? I have no idea. The emotions in the room were just really heavy. And, um, you know, as much as I tried to fight it or whatnot, I just couldn't. It was just, the energy was so raw and it was just moving. And I, I yeah, I mean, I'm a skeptic, but I'm open-minded, you know? I mean, if you believe you saw something, I believe you. I just wish I was with you. Oh yeah, most definitely. I am exactly the same way because 
I believe there's something out there, but I think most of the people that go for the spotlight are just BSing. That's just my opinion. I think I get there's it. a lot of people out there that just want their, their 15 minutes of fame. And unfortunately, they're ruining it for the people like you two who really do see things and really do experience things. And they're like, ah, that's all bull. <laughs> they're, they're ruining it for all the good people like you two. Uh, yeah. Well, the funny <laughs> thing is, is, is like, like I said, I'm skeptical and she's not. And she actually freaks me out sometimes. Uh, she does. <laughs> it, it just it doesn't make sense. You have to elaborate sense. on that one. Well, no, I wanna, yeah, exactly. That was That's my follow-up question. How does she freak you out? This past weekend, for instance, we went to an oddity shop in Rhode Island. She had never been there. She had never been to this town. And so we were just there. We were checking it out, and we were looking at some stuff. And she was telling us, the lady there, was telling us about some problems she was having previously in the place with some items that she had to remove which in fact, we're going to pick up this week. Um, people were hearing things, seeing things. One of the windows broke from the inside out. A little boy. A little boy. I saw running around in the um, the clothes. Right. And, and then stuff. Lauren went to the owner and said, well, you know, this was a butcher shop, right? And there's no way you could tell this was a butcher shop or anything like that. If anything, it looked like a Verizon, a Verizon store. <laughs> <laughs> so and the woman looked and she stepped back and she's like yeah about 20 years ago or so it was a butcher shop and that just freaked me out because i'm like how the hell did you know that All right so next question is lauren how the hell did you know that <laughs> i don't know it just kind of comes to me um i could smell almost you know like when you walk into a butcher shop or you're in the meat section you smell meat Yep. And that's what I could smell. And I was like, well, the only thing I could think of is that it was a butcher shop. But it wasn't like, it was a little mom and pop shop. You know, do things like that happen to you a lot? Not often, but when they do, they really do happen. More so lately, though. <laughs> yeah, more so lately. As she's, she's been developing it and then doing uh, studies with it and things like that. And I mean, the th same thing happened at Sleepy Hollow in New York. Oh, yeah. There was, we were, I mean, we're out in New York, and she's like, oh, yeah, to this one guy, you live on XX Street in Worcester, and the guy's like, uh, yeah, I do. That was, that was yeah, there, right? Yeah, Well, I said, she says, oh, we're from Worcester, Massachusetts, and I said, oh. And I said, do you by any chance live off of Vernon Street? And she took a step back, and she says, yeah. I'm like, do I know you? And she says, no. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just it happens every once in a while but it freaks me out a little bit because it's like how the hell does that happen uh, i think you really would have freaked him off you said and your social security number is and your savings account number is <laughs> that would have been okay you know yeah. what we have, <laughs> you know what danny we got to take her to vegas yeah no. that's what i'm thinking <laughs> hey foxwoods is right down the road exactly yeah who needs vegas we'll go right down the street okay <laughs> right so when did you first realize that you had this ability? Um, it happened, I was 34 years old um, and I had my first heart attack and they lost me on the table and a woman came to me and told me it wasn't my time to go, that I needed to go back. And I just said, okay. And I went back and started seeing stuff. Did you recognize the woman? At the time, no, I did not. It wasn't until I was 
41 that uh, my I was adopted as a baby and my birth family my birth family found me and the woman that came to me was my birth mother and how did you find that out she showed me a picture of her and I said oh that's the lady that came to me and told me to go back <laughs> wow so did you have the usual people say the, the light at the end of the tunnel and you felt you were drawn towards it no she just appeared and said it's not your time to go and that was it well we're all happy that she did that <laughs> she yeah. sent you back here <laughs> so what about you danny do you have any kind of abilities with this, with the psychic um psychic ability i have dreams from time to time that uh, i've had one that really freaked me out mm. uh it happened probably about three years ago um but before that i've had dreams where like friends of mine you know they had a baby and i told them you know hey be careful i had a dream you had a baby and he's like uh listen uh, we haven't told anybody yet but but the one that really freaked me out was about three years ago uh, my ex-father-in-law came to me in a dream and he was in a hospital bed and he's like ah oh, it's my heart you know it's it's tough take care of him over there and he points to the corner of the room and it was um his son my brother-in-law phil He's like, you got to keep an eye on Phil for me. And I was like, okay. It was weird because I hadn't talked to Rudy in a couple of months. <clears throat> so it was like, you know, oh, man, I wonder if he's okay. This was, I woke up at like, you know, 2 o'clock in the morning. I stayed up for the rest of the night. And around 6 o'clock in the morning, I was going through Facebook. And his sister-in-law had written that he had passed away of a heart attack. And uh, I, I couldn't process this. It just, it just, that kind of stuff's not supposed to happen. Lauren found me in the fetal position crying on the kitchen floor uh, because I was like, wow. I just mm. couldn't, couldn't handle it. So yeah, things like that happened to me. I mean, nothing like Lauren's. I mean, I have this other thing where when I go on vacations, uh, crazy things crazy? happen. Well, <laughs> tragedies follow after I go on That's vacation. Tragedies follow. Uh, and it's, it's happened many, many times. They don't happen to me. They happen to vicinity after i leave I, I don't know what it is maybe i'm avoiding death i, I don't know i mean uh, we were for an example we we're in alaska and we we're taking a little uh, cessna little, little four-seater planes through um denali national park it was a two-hour flight weaving in and out of um you know mountain glaciers. peaks and glaciers and things like that and i told the uh pilot beforehand i said listen if we crash i'm gonna eat you i'm sorry <laughs> you know, it's going to, if we live, it's going to take us 12 days to get out of here walking out. So I'm sorry, but you know, and he's like, no, no, don't worry about it. We've never had a plane crash and we've got rations in the tail end of the plane. We're all set. So we made it back. And then when I got home from Alaska, the plane crashed on the mountain and everyone perished and the plane's actually to this day still up there. there. And these types of things have happened over and over and over again. I'd say at least 13 different, 12, 13 different times. And did it happen more as an adult or did it start as a child? Always as an adult. Did you have any kind of traumatic experience like Lauren where it, it started right after that? No, no. So I don't know. Somebody says, well, you've just got a good way of uh, avoiding death. And I was like, oh, well, I'll take whatever it is. I, <laughs> I know, know exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want that kind of power. Yeah. <laughs> avoiding yeah. death power. <laughs> Well, I mentioned it in the intro. You just uh, came out with your first book. It debuted at number 42 in Amazon's Ghosts and Hauntings. Congratulations on that. And it's, Thank you. 
It's entitled Paranormal Investigating, A Beginner's Guide to the Supernatural. So let's talk about that. Okay. Well, it's basically, uh, it's definitely an, an intro. It's, it's, it's for the newbies, the basics of the basics kind of deal. It goes over equipment. It goes over, um, you know, uh, being skeptic is okay. It's actually a really good thing to have when you're going into the paranormal because it, it leads you to be more scientific than go by belief. Um, we work with a lot of younger people and this was just like a boost for them to, mm -hmm. you know, it goes over equipment. Um, how, how to um, build a team, how right. to work with other teams. Um, Ethics of paranormal investigating. Yeah. You know, having respect for where you are, who you're with, the place you are, and what's on the other side that you might be talking to. Yeah. You know, it's funny because I played with some of the um, instruments they had at the Conjuring House. I just spent the weekend over there maybe two, mm -hmm. three years ago. And so we all know Corey and Jen, who right. formerly mm -hmm. owned the house. And so Corey gave me all the equipment. I'll try this. And so my friend and I were playing around with it. We really didn't, I mean, what's the, see, I'm forgetting the names of it. The one that the red where it beeps if there's some kind of energy in the area. Oh, REM pod? Yes, REM pod. So that went off a lot. But other than that, I really didn't, I didn't have too many experiences. I tried. I, and I'm very, very open-minded. It's funny because I know 12 o'clock is the uh, witching hour. 3 o'clock is the devil's hour. So and I, I interviewed Andrea Perrin. We all know her. And um, I've talked to her many times. And she was saying that there was so much activity in the basement. So I'm down there between 12 and 3 in the morning. I'm like, come on. I know you're here. Show yourself. But sometimes I think, and I want your opinion on this. Sometimes I think, if you're not afraid, they're like, I don't know, I don't have to waste my time. I have to prove myself to you. They're, they go after more people that were like, maybe going to be a little more skittish about it. Like, let's just mess with these people. Because I kind of agree with you on that. Because mm. I mean, it, it, I've told people before, like when it comes to paranormal investigating or even using a Ouija board, if you're looking to get scared, you're going to get scared. Whatever you're, you're projecting, you're going to get back. And yeah. yeah, maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's, it's easier to use that energy to make themselves known. I have, I can only think of like maybe once or twice where I've ever saw something that was like, whoa, you know? Yeah. I that mean, would explain last night then. Evie. Uh, <laughs> well, all right. Let's talk about last night. <laughs> what well, wasn't last night? It was Tuesday night. I don't even know what you're talking about. So it was so quiet at the uh, public house. Oh, at the public house. Yeah, we were yeah. doing an investigation there, and it was just really quiet. I mean, dead silent. Uh -huh. Nothing. Have you either of you had anything that terrifies you that you were in there and you're like, "What the hell is this? We have to get out of this house, or we have to get out of this cemetery, wherever you were." Basement. Lizzie Borden house. Yeah, but ah. what did I say after that? What'd you say? When are we coming back? Yeah, you did say yeah. when we coming back. Yeah. So you can't. I mean, it was kind of freaky yeah. at the time, but yeah, I couldn't wait to. I couldn't wait to go back. Yeah. See what You're happened. Doing oh yes, there is the Isaac Morse house. Oh, that's right. All right. Yes, she'll never go. She'll never go back. I won't step foot in that house again. All right. Well, let's talk about why. Um, I was very uneasy up on the second floor. There was a suicide on the second floor um guy shot himself and then as we went downstairs to go into the basement i kind of stopped and i was like i really don't want to go down there but i pushed myself and i did go down and i got about a quarter of the way into the basement i almost vomited hit the side of the um foundation which was a stone foundation 
and I had to get out of there. My daughter ran me back upstairs. And as we're sitting in the little kitchen, I, um, I started crying, uncontrollably crying. I had no idea why it's never happened to me before. And the only way I could describe it was I felt like something was being ripped away from me, like a mother who couldn't help their child. Come to find out there was a doctor that used to live in that house and he used to do backwards abortions in the basement. Wow. So the ripping part away and the mother not being able to get to their child was that. I won't go in there. We went into that house knowing absolutely nothing (laughs) Nothing. about the history. Uh, We like to do that. And then whatever we, or whatever she hits on, we like to, you know, we went over to the uh, caretaker Mm -hmm. and she told us, you know, what's the history? And she told us, we're like, aha, that explains a lot. So yeah, she, I don't think you'll ever go back there again. No, no. I've never, go ahead. But the weird thing is, is that a week later is when we filmed uh, for Repossessed. And at first they were like, oh, it's going to be at the Isaac Morse house. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to go back there. Right across the street from the house it was actually filmed at. Thank goodness, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but no, what I, was, I didn't mean to interrupt you. What I was going to say is like, I have a couple of experiences and one actually made it into the book. I don't know if you read the book that Charles wrote, Charles Rosene. It's about Connecticut uh, yeah. ghost hunting. So I'm in that book and my story was, where I went on a ghost tour in Mystic. I'm not sure if you know Courtney. I'm not sure what her last name is, but she she runs a ghost tour, Seaside Shadows. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I've heard yeah. of it. So I was on her tour, and um, she was talking about this house in Mystic, and they, she said these two young boys died in this house, but they're very playful. They love to show themselves. They were from the Civil War period. So I was across the street. I took a picture with my phone, no flash at all, and I saw something Luckily, I love the fact you could zoom in now. Before, I used to have the disposable cameras, and I would be like, I guess this is, I don't know what this is. But I'm able to zoom in, and I can send you a picture. You see two young boys in the window. And I don't really know. I I want somebody to disprove it. I want somebody to say, no, this is what it is. I took about 15, 16 more pictures, thinking it was a flash, thinking it was something. The glare got nothing like that, except for that one picture. And another time was my brother... Um, he's just like us. He's, he's a skeptic, but he does believe, and he doesn't exaggerate. This is why I know he's telling the truth. He said he, when he was at his apartment, he kept thinking somebody was breaking in because things would be missing. Things would be moved. Things would be on the floor. So he thought somebody was coming in like the landlord. And so he said, let me, let me see what's going on. So he was half asleep one night and he felt a tugging and he opened up his eyes. He saw this old woman hovering over him. So he closed his eyes, hoping she'd disappear. He opened up again. She was still there. And finally she disappeared. So I went over there and I know People, if you're watching this, never do what I did. I was being an asshole. I said, come on, I know you're here. Why don't you pre-? He was like, Rich, please leave her alone. Come on. Oh, you're so real bad in front of my brother. Why don't you prove yourself? Which I know, again, don't do this at home. <laughs> but all of a sudden, the stereo goes to 10. The lights start flickering. I said, okay, maybe there is somebody here. So things, oh, I've had geez. things like that happen. I've never seen anything with the actual eye. But I used to go over to the Warren's house all the time. I know, Danny, I want to talk about how you used to work with them or were friends with oh, them. I just met up with them, yeah. Okay, yes. Yeah, so I used to go I, I used to go over to their house all the time and go to the museum. I love the fact that, and you, same thing with you, that we knew them back before the conjuring became so popular because I met them for 25 bucks. Now you can't even, I mean, well, they're both deceased, but at the time, they were, Tony Sparrow was charging 150 not to even be in their house to see Annabelle. But they would take us to tours to uh, 
because the white lady is the big thing around there, the yep. Stepney Cemetery. Yep. So I would go there and try to take pictures. And of course, the only thing I ever saw were the cops. They told us to get out. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I met up with them. Um, God, it was the mid '90s, I think it was, mm -hmm. late '90s. Uh, they were doing a thing at the University of Connecticut. Mm -hmm. It was a, a lecture there, and it, like I think it was like twenty bucks a ticket or ten bucks a ticket. And talking with them after meeting with them, and you know, Ed's like, "Here's my car. You know, give me a call sometime. Come out over the house." And I was just like, you know, okay, cool, because it was, it wasn't then what it is now. It's it's different, yeah. you know. No, exactly. And uh, it was really cool, you know. I was like, all right. And now thinking about it, it's like, oh wow, Gee, I wish I could do that again now, you know. Exactly. Because for me, it was the same time. It was around ninety four, ninety five, somewhere around yeah. there. And I um, was very much into the paranormal, but I think I would appreciate it even more now because I saw the, di I mean, I have pictures of all different things, like the dinosaur from the, uh, yep. the latest Conjuring. Then I have some of the items from Alistair Crowley's house. And I, of course, obviously Annabelle and some different things like that. But yeah, I, I, I'm, I always tell people I would love to go back now, but it's, I mean, even when they were still alive, like the Conjuring came out right towards the end of her life, unfortunately. So mm -hmm. Um, it's definitely was not the same. And I guess right now it's completely closed because they said it was like a zoning issue. Yeah. Yeah, go to the house. Yeah. yeah. But before we get into your museum, so I want to talk about that and I cannot wait to talk about the dead and breakfast and other things. <laughs> I want to talk about the creepy chronicles. Ah, creepy chronicles. This is something we've been working on for a while, but haven't officially launched it yet. Uh, yeah. It's going to be like, we're not sure if it's either going to be a video podcast or just a podcast. Uh, we've gone to various places and we take the historical information and we provide it to people, you know, uh, the vampire's graveyard and all different, the, mm -hmm. uh, the devil demon cat of Capitol Hill. We interviewed some people on, you know, security guards that were there on Capitol Hill. And uh, so eventually we're going to release it and yeah. it, it should be a lot of fun. Yeah. We have a lot well, of I, projects. <laughs> who knows? Go now. You, you, I have like five pages of just things that are coming up for you, you two. It's great. <laughs> but I was reading some of the articles or what for Creepy Crowns. One, and these are some of the most latest. That's probably why I have these written down. Chinese cave explorers discovered a 630 foot deep sinkhole containing a massive ancient forest. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, what I'll do sometimes is I'll find stuff online that's really interesting and I'll post it on there as well because it's, you know, it chronicles the stuff that's creepy. And it's, I had nothing to do with it. We had nothing to do with mm -hmm. it. But at the same time, you know, we want to get that info out there. Yeah. Well, yeah. the other one I like too is mysterious Japanese killing stone said to contain demon cracked open. <laughs> <laughs> that yep. sounds like you. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's yeah. a little bit of that weekly world news in there. Uh -huh. you know? Yeah. I was waiting for Bat Boy to show up. <laughs> <laughs> He's over there in the closet. <laughs> and so if you... I know you said you're not sure if it's going to be a podcast or a YouTube channel. Have you filmed anything at all or recorded anything? Uh, yeah, we've got a lot of footage that we've filmed over the last two years. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. We just haven't put it together or finished it. Yeah, we're working on it. I was going to say, it's not like you don't have time. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I was doing my research on you. It was great because you have so many great things on your Facebook. And one of my favorite things that you do on Facebook, it's called um, things that keep me awake at night. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And, yeah. but here's, the, 
Here's my favorite though, before we go any further, and you make so much, I mean, with almost every, actually, no, not almost, with everything, you make so much sense. My favorite is, if the devil punishes everyone that is bad, doesn't that make him good? I love yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I mean, it's things that I've, well, it's things that keep me awake at night. I only sleep like four hours a night max. So there's a lot of times where, you know, I'm just pondering on stuff and, hey, let me type that in there. <laughs> <laughs> and lauren's like please let me just go to sleep dang <laughs> actually no usually she's in the bedroom I'm and i'm bedroom, out here yeah. in the parlor yeah just you know yeah. working on are, something i say you two make the perfect couple you're perfect for each other <laughs> yeah i know right <laughs> <laughs> uh, so so lauren i know that in the intro i mentioned that you gained an interest in the paranormal watching you know ghostbusters which you were obviously very young and that piqued your interest and then i remember when the it wasn't really the paranormal but for me it's like well i was older i was like in my 20s when uh john edwards and james van prague all these different psychics started having to show like what's a crossing over and things like that and that's i think really started to take off with all the paranormal shows and more of the reality shows mm -hmm. yeah what, what's your opinion on shows like that hmm that's tough. I know. Um, because when I was younger, you know, I was really into not so much as like John Edwards and everything like that, because I didn't quite believe. Yeah. Um, but then when the, the, like the ghost shows came out, the paranormal shows and everything like that, yeah, I was, I was hooked. Mm -hmm. And, and then I was like, I really just want to see for myself. I want to do this myself. And friends of mine were starting a group. So we started, we went into the group and my daughter and I were in that. She was a junior investigator. And when that group disbanded, we started our own. So I don't look at the shows from back when I was younger. I mean, I loved like Ghostbusters, Scooby Doo was like no. the big thing. I loved my, I still love my Scooby Doo. Uh, I would have gotten away with it if it wasn't for you meddling kids. And your dog too. And it was never supernatural. It was always a human, human. that was a monster. Yeah. So yeah, there exactly. you go. <laughs> what was the name of your? Yeah, what was the name of the first group that you founded? First supernatural group or paranormal group? The first group I was in. Yeah. Um, it was Full Moon Paranormal out of okay. Northborough. There, we don't really talk as much anymore, but our group is MassCon Paranormal. Okay, which we're going to get into. But so that's what, what does the new one consist of? Does it consist of you, Danny, and several other people? Yeah, it's uh, Danny and I, uh, my daughter, who is the co-founder. Okay. And mm -hmm. uh, my friend who I've been friends with for 40 years and her son and a couple other younger people in the group. We have a lot of younger, younger people in the group, so which is nice. Yeah, I was gonna say I, I like the fact that the younger people are interested and they're they're believing they're not completely skeptic, they're not full skeptics, and uh, they're they're willing to learn and be a part of it. That's good. Well, the yes. cool thing I like about having the younger people is it's new blood. It's new, they have new ideas. They yes. hey, you know, what if we try this? And it's like yeah, let's do it because. Uh, I don't believe there's any wrong way as long as you're doing it with respect. Mm -hmm. I mean, some people say you can use apps. Some people say you can't, you know, it's like, well, what if you combine this and, you know, it, whatever ideas they come up with, it's like, yeah, let's do this. Let's try. That's a great mm -hmm. idea. Yeah. And one of, no, one of the other to... things that I found that, 
that the younger ones do very quickly is research. Yes. Mm -hmm. So if, if one of our teammates can't make it, they can actually get online with us and we FaceTime with them and they they work as a researcher behind the yeah. scenes. It's it's amazing. Now what do you investigate? Is it mostly residential? Yes. Almost completely residential. Yeah. I'd say like ninety eight percent residential. And how can people get in contact with you if they have something at their house? Um, well help me at the radicals.org. Yep, and it's radical with a K. Mm-hmm. Or there are phone numbers on all over the internet. Mm-hmm. Actually, it's four two four six 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 S I C K. It wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, or the radicals dot org. Um, yeah, and they can call twenty four seven. I'm usually awake, so <laughs> believe it or not, we I've got a call in the middle of the night while I was at work one time to pick up an item, and I was like, listen. I'm here alone with um, six mental health patients. I cannot leave. I feel bad for you, <laughs> but I, I really can't. Is there any way you can hold off <clears throat> 10 a.m.? I don't get off work till nine, and they're like, "Yeah, but we're going to we're going to a hotel for the night. We're not staying here." Wow. So they so, they were that afraid. Did you did you end up going to the house the next day? I did. I ended up going. Lauren was at work, and mm-hmm. it was just an object removal. Um, it was an ironing board that was found in between the um, kitchen and the pantry in the wall. And uh, supposedly the ironing board was used, uh, the child's hands was put on it and they kept burning it with the iron. Yeah. And I'm guessing you have that in your museum right now. Uh, yeah, it's, it's actually, we can right see it from there. here. It's sitting <laughs> over in the parlor on the other side over there. I'll fold it up. Yeah. So question for you, it's really hard to be an expert in the paranormal because there's really no, I mean, except for the book that you wrote, I mean, there's not really a guidebook that says, this is how you should do it and, and this is how you should protect yourself. So do you basically just learn as you go? Definitely. And I don't think anyone, I mean, will ever really know. I exactly. mean, it's, it's just one of those things. I I like the, anal- the analogy that you did. What's up? We're not like an exterminator where you can show a dead rat or something dead. Whereas, you know, you can't show someone. Right. There's no proof. I mean, how do you, Mm -hmm. you know, you you can't prove it. It, There's no experts as far as I'm concerned. There are people who are more famous than other people or more notable than other people, but knowledgeable that doesn't make them, you know, professionals or experts or anything. I mean, I don't know that there are any experts. It's just one of those things. Unfortunately, we're not going to know until it's too late. Exactly. Well, that, that's another thing too, is sometimes I think these, the more famous ones, I mean, they want ratings and I think they, um, my opinion, maybe not everybody's, maybe, maybe I'm wrong too, but I think they embellish a lot because they want to make the show more exciting. And then you look at it like, this is just bullshit. So well, it's like, so I can think, I'm, I won't name names, but there's some I watch on TV. I'm like, I really don't believe any of this. And, but so I could be wrong, because I, I, I am definitely well, a person that believes in the supernatural. But I think that, you know, sometimes the, the people that are out there for money or trying to get fame, they're the ones that are like, I got to keep my name in the game. So I'm going to make it as exciting as possible. I totally agree, because, you know, I mean, if they were to show an actual paranormal investigation on uh, a TV show, it would be boring as hell. Exactly. Into this this past weekend, this past weekend, we were helping out some friends. They were doing a Dining with the Dead event. And uh, basically what it is, is everyone, you know, you buy tickets, you come and you have dinner and you talk and you banter and 
then you break into groups and go investigate this haunted location kind of deal. Mm -hmm. And on this very day, all four Nothing. groups, we were there, you know, you're 20 minutes and then you switch groups. So mm -hmm. it's, you know, couple hours and nothing it was completely no pun intended it was completely dead, dead. <laughs> you know i mean it was just yeah and you could see it in their eyes you know they were yeah. looking to be more entertained and yeah. i was asking them i'm like so how was it in the other room you were in they were like nothing it was just there was nothing it was just mm. quiet and i was like well now you know how it really is mm -hmm. yeah. you know we'll exactly. sit here you're experiencing it for two hours we usually do it for six or eight hours and mm -hmm. get bored out of our minds and you know we may not know if we have anything until a day later listening to the your recordings. And they're just like, mm. I was like, this is how it is, you know? And well, a perfect example is the Conjuring House. I was there for 24 hours, yeah. maybe even longer. I didn't experience anything. It doesn't mean there's nothing there, but it's good. I could be there for maybe two weeks and it would be maybe one experience in that two weeks. So it's not going to just happen as soon as you walk in. I mean, sometimes you're lucky or unlucky, depending on how you look at it. You might just walk in and bam. There's a paranormal yeah. experience, but for the most part, like you said, and it's funny, and I, um, people involved in the Conjuring House, when uh, Zach went there, yep. I, they told me, they said, I hope he does not turn this into a circus. And then when it came out, I was right. I knew he was. And they, they basically <laughs> said, you know, like, nothing like that really happened. And I said, I had a feeling. And, <laughs> and I could say I had Andrea on the show, and she was really mad at that. <laughs> oh, really? I can't believe yeah. they turned it like that. She was just one. There was other people, too, that were involved in it that said, that really wasn't like that. So that's where I you hear things like that, and you're like, ah, oh, just ruins it. But then, like I said, you two, you you do things, but you're not out. I mean, and you're known, but you're not out there trying to get money from people. Not out there trying to get fame and fortune out of this. We yeah. have never charged for any of our services that we do. Mm -hmm. I mean, even when it comes to the, like the museum and taking pieces, you know, uh, acquiring them to a safe place. Uh, we never charge for that. We never, um, and we don't consider ourselves the owners of them. We're just the holders of them. If yeah. the person yeah. ever wants them back, they're more than free and they know they can come back and get them. The only thing is, I would say in the last uh, 12, 14 years, no one's ever come back for anything. <laughs> <laughs> when you brought them home, have you ever, ever had an experience that said, what the hell is this? Or what, what just happened? Did you ever experience anything? For the most part, no. But there was one instance, um, and I'm gonna go with the crying boy. Yeah, crying girl. Crying yeah. girl, yeah, that's it. Um, we went to New Jersey, picked it up, brought it back home. It's from an art dealer, and it's actually, we put it next to the crying boy, girl. It was paintings made by um, Giovanni. Bragolin. Uh, Bragolin, yeah, excuse me. And uh, he painted these children with exaggerated crying eyes. And the curse that's behind him is the house is burned down. So we keep it over next to the fireplace. And um, Lauren had heard something the first night, right? It was like two nights after we got it. And I heard a little girl say mama twice. Wow. We live out in the boonies. And my kids are all grown. And not here. <laughs> and not here. And our grandchildren are not here. So that, I thought that was interesting. And... Um, I think it was a day or two later, I was home. I work third shift. So when I'm home, she's at work. So I'm home alone. It's probably like 10, 11 o'clock in the morning. I'm relaxing, getting ready to take a nap. And I'm listening to a podcast. And all of a sudden, I hear a child talking. It was a girl. Mm -hmm. And um, 
was like, what the hell is that? So I stopped the podcast. I'm like listening. I don't hear anything. So I rewind the podcast because I'm like, maybe it's on the podcast. And I play it back. Nothing. Rewind again. I did it like six times just to make sure. And I couldn't replicate it. I couldn't make it happen again. And I asked Lauren, I was like, you know, how old did this sound? Because to me, it sounded like, you know, four or five or somewhere around there, whatever. And uh, mm -hmm. she's like, yeah, that's about it. Yeah. And so it's like, huh, I don't know. I don't know what to make of it. I had a similar experience. With, I used to be a manager of a Rite Aid in Wolcott, Connecticut. And according to what people were saying, well, it goes back to, I, I left that store. I went to another one, but I stayed friends with the people there. And there was this, um, she was telling one of the people that worked there said there was a story before it became righted. There was a house there and the young boy was tied to a tree and left there to die. And she, she was always freaked out by that. And one day she was, there was a huge thing, of Snapple, like a whole case of that case, a whole section of it, it just collapsed on her. So she took a picture of it and it could be just a glare, but you see a young, a little boy in the picture. So she's like, Oh my God, Rich, you got to see this. So I had, I used to go work there, but, the good thing is I had a key so I can go anytime at night. So I used to go in there at night with my camera and just try and see if I could hear anything. And there was a girl there that worked there. She had an accent. She used to pronounce my name, Reese, Reese. So my, the manager used to always make fun of it. Hey, Reese. So around 1.30 in the morning, I'm, you know, just doing stuff and waiting for something to happen. All of a sudden, Reese, Reese. Like, so I thought it was my manager messing with me. I'm like, all right, come on, Sue. Reese, I said, all right, where are you? And I realized that she wasn't there. There was nobody in the, in the Rite Aid. The Warrens ended up coming. I had Ed and Lorraine check it out and they did say it was haunted and they did a little investigation, but it was, it was, wow. it was a, it was weird. I mean, I definitely heard it. It's clear as, be, clear as day. Reese. That's oh, wild. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. That's freaky. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like I say, I, I love stuff like that. And people, somebody said, I went on a Salem ghost tour and they're like, who here wants to see ghosts? I said, I do. They're like, you say that now. I said, well, I don't want to be possessed. I, I do want to meet Casper, <laughs> but I would like to see something. <laughs> Yeah, there's yeah. a big difference. Exactly. Uh, what's your opinion with the Ouija board? <laughs> Lauren, what's your opinion? Um, I used to be afraid of them. Yeah. And now, as you can see, we live in a house filled with them. Um, they're a communication tool, and mm -hmm. you get in, you get out what you put into it. Yeah. So, I, they don't really scare me as much anymore, but for me, I think like, all right, if, if they are a real thing and they actually do work with the supernatural, then to me, they're no different than using an EVP to contact mm -hmm. that it's mm -hmm. the same type of thing. You're using it for contact. I mean, people say, oh, the Ouija board, it's, 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 you can get possessed. You can, it's communicating with the dead. It's like, well. Yeah, yeah, that's what we do with ghost boxes. That's what we do with EVPs, mm -hmm. dowsing rods. Mm -hmm. um, it's all communicating with the dead. Uh, for me personally, I, I kind of tend to go more to the scientific route with the idiomotor effect, where mm -hmm. it's like, you know, it's an automatic movement that you don't even realize you're doing. I mean, they've actually done some studies where they blindfolded some people. And while they were playing the board, they were asking questions and their hands were moving and they were getting it all accurate and everything. They decided to take a break, leave the blindfolds on. But while they were doing that, what the people that were holding the test did was they turned the Ouija board upside down and around 
and had them come back to the table still blindfolded and their hands were going to where the A should be, mm-hmm. but now it was on the opposite side. It, it's like, okay, I, I don't know what to make of it. Mm, but... Yeah, you got that from Penn and Teller. Uh, no, I was just going to say that Penn and Teller have a TV show called Bullshit. I was going to bring that yes, up. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And what happened was that they turned it, and it was funny. One person said, well, no, I have to use my board. You're like, well, if, it, if you have the power, the board shouldn't matter. And then they turned the board around, and where the yes and the no were, they right. were, it was on the other, it was the E and the G, whatever it was. So, yeah, I, I saw that same one. And it was, they also did it. it. They also did it at WeejaCon oh. um, out in Baltimore. Okay. Um, a while, it was quite a few years ago. And the same same kind of results, but you know, I mean, I mean, people don't realize it was. I mean, people used to use this as a parlor uh, game. Mm-hmm. I mean, back in the early 1900s, it was uncouth for a man and a woman to be alone in the room if they weren't, you know, betrothed to each other kind of deal. But it was okay to sit together, touch knees, and put the board on your lap and play this parlor game so it was like it was very risque it was you know the cool thing to do and they were very normalized until i would say the 1970s when the exorcist came out exactly no i I agree with you and who puts out it's not parker brothers who puts out the ouija board it's it's Uh, actually i think yeah parker brothers oh it is parker brothers yeah yeah Yeah. i believe so yeah. yeah I could say that I agree exactly with both, what both of you said, um, but years ago, and the, my brothers and I were just playing around with a Ouija board, and we were just joking around, like, my brother's name is Jeff. I'm like, when's Jeff going to die? And it said, tomorrow, we're laughing. The next day, he fell into a sinkhole up to his neck, and he almost died. Oh, so jeez. Like, oh, my God. So it's, oh. that, that was kind of weird or just a weird coincidence, but I'm, I'm more with you two with the scientific aspect of it because – and the, the other thing I like about that Penn Teller episode, did you see when they were talking, when um, they brought their friend on and he goes, oh, he's great with uh, contacting the dead. And he had people crying <laughs> and they're like, well, actually he's a complete fraud. He's my friend from down the road and he has no ability at all, but it's just showed how easy people want to have it happen to them. Yes. And it's like a lot of cold, with that one, it was a lot of cold reading. So yep. I think yeah. that, and what you said too, it's sometimes, cause I played with the Ouija board, like I mentioned, and it does feel like it's moving on its own, but sometimes, like you said, I think it's like almost what you wanted to say. Mm-hmm. It's possible, you know. I, don't know. I, have this, I, I have a saying: anything's possible, just not probable. Exactly. And that's why, like I said, look at the scientific aspect first, and then if you can't explain it with that, all right? Well, it's it's unknown. Because I yeah. again, that's something that I'm not saying is completely false. I'm not saying it's completely fake. I'm sure there's something to it, but a lot of it is maybe just either a coincidence or just what you're unconsciously doing to your to the board yeah i mean definitely is it supernatural it, it's possible yeah no exactly and that's I, I love that because you're you're not just shutting everything down you're saying it's possible but let's look at all the facts and let's find out what's really going on yeah <laughs> exactly well we did talk about um some of the things in your museum and i i've, I've seen this at some of the, the paracons and that's probably only a partial of what you have in your museum, I'm guessing. It's like that much. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's a lot. There's, there's stuff Lauren's never even seen that's in the attic. We just don't have room to put it out. Right. Well, tell my viewers, because people who haven't had a chance to see it, and when you do, I'm, I'm going to tell everybody where they can see it, because it's great. So where's some of the other items that you have in there? Um, oh, boy. Go ahead, Lauren, um, what do you want to say? We'll start with Jeffrey Dahmer's fork. Okay. I, yeah, I didn't uh, want to uh, start with that one, but <laughs> yeah. Yes. Sorry, Lauren. Wanted to Jeffrey build up Dahmer's, to that. 
<laughs> Jeffrey Dahmer's fork. I love that. <laughs> yeah, um, that was an interesting thing because a lot of people tend to think, oh, you got that because of the of of the fame of the murderbilia thing, and it was like, no, mm -mm. it it's to um, to learn and study psychometry which is the fact of, of feeling and knowing the past of an item, an object, the energy that's in it by touching it or being near it. And if that is a supernatural thing, then therefore this fork should have something, I would think some energy attached to it. Uh, basically what happened is when the cops came in and they um, went through the apartment, once they realized that cannibalization was happening then all the cutlery and silverware became crime scene evidence therefore it couldn't be destroyed and it went into police locker evidence for many many years it wasn't released till last year mm -hmm. it was released last year to jeffrey's father who's still alive lionel and um lionel wanted nothing to do with it a high class powered collector came in and snagged almost everything okay. including Jeffrey's ashes. ashes, cremated ashes. And uh, he had the, he offered the fork and I was like, yeah, I, I would like to study that, you know, over time and, and different people's experiences being around it and things like that and documented, and, mm -hmm. you know, just to see. And um, so, yeah, we have uh, one of the forks that Jeffrey Dahmer had in his apartment and uh, more than likely uh, ate his people with. Very good. <laughs> Now, yeah. Another one I want to talk about is, um, was it Charles Manson's toenail clippings or something to that effect? <laughs> oh my gosh. I forgot about I know. Oh yeah, my Charles God. Manson's toenail. Uh, again, psychometry, you know. Uh, I don't think I'm going to hold that one. No, no. Yeah. All right, yeah. well, he never actually killed anybody but that we know of. No. But yeah, Charles Manson's toenail. Um, geez, yeah. All kinds of crazy stuff. And it's not all haunted stuff either. We've yeah. got like... Um, uh, a real human tail. Every once in a while, someone's born with a tail, and you know, uh, so there's all different. What's the matter? Nothing. I'm just thinking. Oh, I thought you just heard something. <laughs> no. <laughs> right. Well, I know, I know with Jeffrey Dahmer, but how do you authenticate these items? Uh, it came with all the police records and everything, and uh, the guy that obtained them had all the paperwork that came with everything. Well, but well, more with uh, like, how do you know it's really Charles Manson's nail clippings? That I don't a hundred percent know, but it came from one of his good friends. Oh, really? Yeah. You yeah. you hang out with a rough crowd, don't you? <laughs> uh, no, not really. <laughs> there's another one too. I'm trying to. I haven't seen you. I actually no. I saw you at the the Warrens. I'm trying to remember. There's something with a monkey paw. I think that was interesting. Yeah, yeah oh, we've got a monkey's okay. paw. A monkey's paw, yeah. Yeah, which yeah. is you know supposedly you make the wishes and you know you mm -hmm. are granted, but they're not always the way you intend them to be. So Sounds like items. the makings of a great horror movie. Exactly. You know, I mean, we've, oh, yeah. we've never tried it or anything like that. We just keep it for safekeepings, mm -hmm. you know. Um, let's see. We've got a, um, an African Nkisi. It's an Nkisi and Kandi. Uh, it's basically, it's it's a like two foot uh, ironwood statue. It, it's carved. Creepy. And uh, it's it's got all these nails and metal shards that are hammered into it and rope that's tied to it. And it's, Inkisi um, means vessel and Nkandi means spiritual hunter. So this thing is a hunter, it's a revenge piece. Uh, supposedly it's killed two people that I that was told of. of. Yeah. 
And um, it's really creepy. You can see it really quickly in the opening credits of Repossessed. Um, how this worked out is my brother and I, we went to, we're pickers. We tend to go, you know, clean through clean outs and stuff. And this guy called us, he had some Ouija boards and stuff. And then he also had this piece. And he's like, can you take this too? And I was like, oh, my brother's like, that's really creepy. <laughs> so, and my brother's a skeptic, but he's a lot more um, of a non-believer, you know, staunch skeptic mm -hmm. than I am. Yeah. Um, so he's like, I'll take it, I'll take it. And it's, it's in a wooden crate kind of thing. And I was like, no, give me it. He's like, no, no, I got it. So I got the Ouija boards and we're walking with it. And he's like, he's rubbing his stomach where it's resting on him. And he's like, hey, this thing's not a damn uh, fertility thing, is it? Because my wife and I, we're done with kids. This better not be a damn fertility thing. <laughs> I was like, no, it's not. Tell you what, why don't you give me that piece? Just, just hand it over now. He's like, I got it. I got it. Well, it kept burning in that spot where it was resting. And he ended up going to the doctors. They did some tests and he had pancreatic cancer in that exact spot. Oh but God. it was a very rare form of female adolescent pancreatic cancer yeah the people wow. who get this are usually 0.003 percent of female adolescents and is like crazy crazy rare for a male to get it mm -hmm. so i told them i said i always told you you were a little girl <laughs> <laughs> but on the good good side was being so rare and being where it was it was on the back side of the pancreas um he had no chemo they did an operation. They cut off the backside of the pancreas, and he lost his spleen at the same time because it was touching. Wow. And um, he's been fine ever since. You know, at first we thought it was a death sentence when you think of pancreatic cancer. And um, so for like a little while, it was the curse of the Nkisi, you know, it was, ooh. And now he's to the point of where he's like, I love that thing. That thing saved my life because I would have never got it checked out if I wouldn't have had that. Mm -hmm. So I'm guessing he's a, he's a staunch believer now instead of he's, a staunch non-believer. He's, he's still skeptic, but he loves the Nkisi. He loves that. While everyone's running away from it, he's like, yeah. that's my boy. <laughs> he saved my life. He got my back. That's right. I love it. <laughs> well, let's talk about the shadows that you see at your home. Ah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. This has been more recently. Um, Within the last year. Within the last, yeah, I'd say since last summer, we've been starting to do some renovations in the house and things. And um, the previous owner, Pete, that was his name, he was in a motorcycle gang. And um, right where Lauren's sitting, um, he put a shotgun in his mouth and pulled the trigger. Uh, you can, there's actually a little bit of a stain still on the rug. We got the same rugs. Uh, we're actually going to cut the piece out once we redo this room and we're going to frame it. <laughs> Some people have Van Gogh, Picasso, where yeah. the guy shot himself. Right. We've got Pete. <laughs> <laughs> but Pete was a woodworker, and Pete loved the house. He loved this place. He's got a woodworking shop out back, which I used to make Ouija boards in now. And um, he was going through a divorce, and that was his solution, I guess you could call it. And um, since we started moving the woodworking stuff out, he was a woodworker. We started moving the you know, the cabinetry out and stuff that he had worked on. Um, been seeing a lot of shadows, shadows. myself included. Yeah. And our dog passed away in October and she was deaf and half blind because she was like almost 15. And she would stare mm -hmm. at the shadows where I was looking. I was like, oh, you see that? Okay, it wasn't just me. Mm -hmm. And we don't live 
in a busy area. No. We live out in the middle of nowhere. So it's, there's no um, street lights or anything like that. So it's mm -hmm. like, okay, what was that? We don't know. And it's worse when I'm not home. Yeah, it does. <laughs> he likes to play a couple tricks on me. Um, I hear him in the kitchen, like heavy boots in the kitchen, walking back and forth. That's where I see the shadows, always yeah. in the kitchen. I hear rapping on the walls. And he's actually lately, I don't know how he's learned how to do it, but he has turned lights on and off. Mm -hmm. and he's actually shipped the bed once so oh my god <laughs> so usually i'll sit up at two o'clock in the morning when i'm hearing this and i'm like pete you need to cut the crap i need to sleep i gotta work in the morning and he'll stop um but he hasn't done anything really bad i've never seen anything more than a shadow yeah but even that kind of you know it's a, yeah. freaked me out a little bit because it's like hey that shouldn't be there oh yeah we've got a casket in the parlor here too and that just out of nowhere it just fell almost on top of it could have been just gravity but mm. it was odd yeah i mean if he's gonna be playing around with the lights and everything at least he could do is help out with the electrical bill or something yeah right <laughs> at least shut, make sure they're shutting them off <laughs> you mentioned ouija boards and i have to say the the weekend i spent at the conjuring house i saw the coolest Ouija board and then after I took a picture of it because we're friends on Facebook hey Rich I see you see the one you uh you took a picture of the one I made I love that one the Ouija board at the Conjuring house yeah thanks that was that was a I was going uh big scale uh -huh. and uh that was for Corey and Jen when they uh it was a housewarming gift that's that's a very nice housewarming gift <laughs> we threw it in the back of the hearse and we drove over because we're like what 15 20 minutes away from them yeah we threw it in the back of the hearse and we drove over we're like, hey, happy housewarming. Uh, do you mean Peppy's camper? Peppy's camper. Peppy's camper, camper, yes. Yep. Yes. <laughs> That's how the grandkids know it. Yeah. So for my viewers who don't know this, they have a hearse that they drive around in. Of course you do. <laughs> yeah, we've actually got two. We've two. got one we're restoring. Yep. The, we've got a 1968 that we're restoring and I drive around uh, 2004. Uh, his name is Vincent. Yes. The other one is Dolores. Dolores. We've named them. What's that? No, go ahead. Oh, we've named them after the first person that the funerals were carried out after. So, like you know, Vincent was the first, you know, first person in the in the back. So that's his name. Yeah. Well, no, what I was going to ask you was, where did you end up buying these? Did you go to a funeral home and they were it was an auction or something like that? Okay. Well, um, you got to tell the story. <laughs> You got to tell us. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> There's a little story behind the first one. That's that's Dolores, the 1968. Now, when I was a child, I grew up with my grandparents and I would go out with my Pepe um, on the weekends and we'd go yard sailing, flea marketing, things like that, picking. And every once in a while, he'd see a hearse. We'd see a hearse and he'd be like, hey, it's going to be a good day. <laughs> and I was six years old at the time. And I'm just like, OK. Eventually, I got up the guts to say, hey, Pepe, why is it going to be a good day? Isn't it a bad day when you see a hearse? And he's like, yeah, if you're not in the back of it, it's a good day. <laughs> so always the optimist. Right, right. Yeah. So being six years old, I'm thinking, OK, well, if that's the case, if I own a hearse, then every day is a good day. So I would say about 10, 12 years ago, a local funeral home 
put out the 1968 Cadillac Hearse for sale. They were a liquidating, going out of business kind of deal. And uh, I bought it. And it turns out that it's the actual hearse they used for my grandfather's funeral. Just a weird coincidence? You had no idea? Just a weird coincidence, yeah. Wow. I mean, I asked him. I, I went, went through the paperwork and everything, and it was the funeral home we had used. And he's like, yeah. He's like, in 1978, this is it. Yeah, this is it. This, wow. So it was like full circle. Um, mm-hmm. So that was from the funeral home. Uh, Vincent, we got from uh, Connecticut, has one of the largest hearse dealers in, in the country, mm-hmm. in Summers, Connecticut. So Who would have uh, known? Park yeah, Superior, they're amazing. Their open houses are for everybody, and it's 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 fantastic. Mm-hmm. You, you must get all the best parking and everything. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? People pull over to the side of the road. Go ahead, go ahead. Oh, believe it or not, they the do. respect that yes. you get, yes, it's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Although it's a little weird when you go to the town landfill, uh, they tend to look at you kind of uh, <laughs> kind of bizarre. The first time I went, the guy was like, uh, we, we don't take that kind of trash here. I was like, no, no, no. It's household. It's household. That's okay. Yeah, you should just mess with them and have like 10 garbage bags. Where can I leave this? I don't want where nobody will find it. <laughs> just Yeah. <laughs> Every time I go, someone says something. Someone of course, oh, yeah. you know, so mm-hmm. uh, oh, that's how you guys get rid of it. Or all these kinds of different things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was actually um, I was, wasn't sure cause they have different hours at the landfill. So I was like Googling it one day and it came up to the face town's Facebook page for the landfill. And across the top header is a picture of me throwing trash in it that someone had taken <laughs> out of the back of the hearse. And I was like, okay. And there's like funny. all these, there's all these little captions. Hey, is any, any of the neighbors missing in the area and yeah. things like that. And <laughs> oh man. I'm like, yeah. It's it's all and it's my daily driver so it's yeah. it's always talked about that that is great i love it. i need to get myself a hearse <laughs> they're not that expensive no really okay yeah I'm, Mine I'm about had, new, uh, how much uh it had 20,000 miles on it and it was an 04 and it cost uh $7,000 wow you know it's much cheaper than my Hyundai Elantra so i think i'm going to next car yeah. we look into is a hearse but the uh <laughs> They're, if you have an HOA, it's not going to work out because they don't, don't tend to like them around. Uh, they're not that great on gas. Actually, they're horrible on gas. And uh, parking, you're going to need two parking spaces because yeah. they're 22 feet long. Wow. They're maybe, they're you know, the Hyundai Elantra is not sounding so bad after all. <laughs> I'll stick with that for a while. <laughs> but I can fit more in that than I could in my pickup truck. So, Yeah. What is the dead and breakfast? The dead and breakfast. Oh. It's an idea that we're working on. Um, basically, a place where you can spend the night, do some investigating, uh, go through the museum, and um, there'll be a paranormal research lab. We've got a three-car garage that's detached from the house. We're going to actually we're working on putting the museum out there. Mm-hmm. And one of the bays will be a research lab as well. And around the yard, we're thinking about um, the idea is to put like four or five cabins, cottages, she sheds, whatever you want to call them. But they'll be horror themed, like uh, the Shining Shack, the Halloween Hut. Um, I love like it. That. You know, yeah. they'll, they'll look they'll have the look on the outside as well as the inside. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you'll still have full access to the house. 
you know, as well throughout the night, if you want to come in or roam around or go through, we've got a, a lot of occult books, library kind of stuff. And, um, you know, there's an extra bedroom in the house as well. So if we can't finish the cottages at time, we've got, we can start with the one bedroom kind of thing. And Lauren is one hell of a cook. So, you know, the, the food <laughs> will do absent tasting one night, uh, watch the movies outside by the fire. Uh, yeah. it, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be, uh, more of a get together than a, uh, like a uh, tour. Yeah. More like a get together than a Airbnb kind of thing, you know, mm-hmm. oh, you know what? Put my name on that waiting list. I definitely want to be there. It'll be a blast. Okay. Yeah, right. Definitely. So when do you expect it to open? We're hoping for fall. Like I said, if we can't get everything in with, you know, we do have that one extra bedroom, which we can launch it with. And, uh, right now, the ground's unthawing out, so we're going to start working, getting the garage going and getting stuff moved out there. Yep. We've still got some more stuff around the house. We've got a new deck, a new dining room to build. Uh, we redid the kitchen, the bathroom. So it's 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 time consuming, but it's it's coming. It's coming. It's definitely working along. Mm-hmm. Will this be the besides the, the paranormal conventions? Will, will this be the first time that you have your uh, cabinet of curiosities open to the public? Definitely. Yes. Yes. Yep. I mean. We, if anyone ever wants to come over, we're all always, you know, yeah, come on over kind of deal, whatnot. Yeah. You're not going to mm-hmm. see it all because there's a lot that's in the attic, but. There's still quite a bit out here. Yeah, there's, there's hundreds of items that are out here around us. It's just, you know, we just run out of room. <laughs> right. Well, speaking of that, because you mentioned the people call you up and say, get this out of my house. I don't want it. How f- You live in Connecticut. How far would you travel to get something? Depending on what it was, I mean, we went to New Jersey to pick up that painting. Um, so it, it all depends. I mean, uh, we've had, well, one of the pieces came from Canada, uh, Western Canada. So they, they shipped it in the mail. It got stuck in customs for like four weeks because it was a grave marker. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, if we can go pick it up, we'll pick it up. If you If they can't get it to us, we'll pay for the shipping. You know, whatever it takes to make them comfortable because some people you know they're oh well i'll just i'll just throw in a dump or i'll just bury it out back well what about the person that finds it Mm -hmm. if this stuff is real if this stuff is a possibility that's probably not a good idea right i want to see the ups driver's face when he delivers it to your house uh (laughs) danny uh well tombstone marker here for you is that yours (laughs) yeah that's mine put it put it in the hearse it's, it's actually interesting that you say that because um, we've had a person that came into the house before and, and kind of fainted and they didn't what? know why. Yeah, they, they didn't even get in, make it to the parlor. They were in the kitchen area yeah. and uh, they were very psychically inclined and uh, I didn't tell them what was in the house. They knew we were investigators, but they didn't know everything. So out of respect now, there's a big uh, warning on the front door that... Uh, the house is a bunch of things that are possibly haunted, haunted possessed, cursed, whatever you want to call it, be forewarned before you go through the door if you're religious or psychically inclined. Mm-hmm. Now, the UPS has guy has since seen that, and now he just throws the packages at the house <laughs> rather than dropping them off. Uh, yeah. You, you should have yeah. seen the assessor when the assessor walked through the house last year. She's just like, what? Um, is, is that a human brain? Um, uh, um, okay. <laughs> I love it. 
I'm, I'm guessing it deters the Jehovah Witnesses. <laughs> Actually, they still mail stuff. <laughs> they, they, they're starting to, yeah, that's exactly it. They're not coming to the house anymore. They're, they're mailing it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get to them one way or another. We, we, we'll spread yeah. the word. <laughs> they are determined. I like that. I respect that. <laughs> they don't give up. <laughs> have, you, have either of you ever been part of an exorcism? We used one in one of our investigations. Yes, we did. Yeah, yep. we did one at a house in Marlboro. Yep. All right. Let's talk about that. What, what was the instance and what was the end result? Well, it was um, a family that the young girl was having issues with something that was in her closet. It would tell her that she was a bad girl and that she didn't belong there. So we went back like five times. Quite a few times. Yeah. And then it got to the point where it was like, okay, this is beyond us. Uh, we need to bring in some heavy hitters. We need to bring in somebody. And uh, we brought in somebody and uh, it, it went fairly, it went yeah. well. And she hasn't had any issues since. I mean, she used to barricade. She would like, this her is toys. a little kid. She would try to move her bureau. I mean, which is like four times the size of her mm -hmm. to get in front of this closet. And everyone we brought in went to this closet first without telling yeah. them what was going on. And uh, yes, ever mm -hmm. it's been a couple of years now. Yeah. And everything's been pretty good. Mm -hmm. um, but this wasn't an exorcism of a person per se, as it was, uh, we probably could have used a demonologist. Yeah. You know, but um, it was, it was pretty neat it was yeah. interesting i would love to attend one um like you know you see like well actually like ed and lorraine used to have the um videos they would the films mm. and that was wow that was mind-blowing oh yeah no i saw that several times when i went over to their house and i think yes i did too the, i think the nun was sort of based on that video from if, if yeah. i have it correct like one, I one of the so. ones, I think it's a nun. I mean, the, of course, the story is completely different and completely embellished. But yeah, the, the yeah. video and it's it, it, like you said, it's it's so interesting, so riveting. I was asking Lorraine so many questions, like, because how didn't the girl hurt herself? Like, oh well, she was possessed by the devil and God protected. I said, but the devil was throwing her down, and how did she not break any? But it was it, it was interesting. Yeah. She was going crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy P. Uh, he or yeah i know him he's got a lot of a lot of he filmed a lot of the exorcisms for them oh really i'm gonna have to get yes. i'm friends with him as well but through the uh paranormal i've met so many great people through these paracons and yes. he's one of them he was at the connecticut one then he was at the well actually both connecticut ones mohegan sun and the one i yeah. hosted last year mm -hmm. he uh, used to do all the warrens filming Oh, really? Because I know he came out with a book where he, that's what he was promoting last time and i didn't realize that he worked with the warrens as well so he never mentioned oh. that. Yeah, uh, the Warrens, Father Malachi Martin. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Pretty wild. Yeah. Yeah, very cool. Did, have you ever seen any of his videos? No, but I know he's he may be uh, digitizing them uh, for some archival purposes. All right. Yeah, but I, I hope to. Uh, I know he wants to come over. Oh, yes. <laughs> Definitely. Does he want to come over and investigate and do his own investigation in your house? Oh, more than likely. I think he For just sure. wants to see some of the stuff that's hanging yeah. around here, you know? Yeah. And it's like, yeah, bring some of those uh, tapes with you, too, while you're on, coming over. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll show you Jeffrey Dahmer's fork for an exor exorcism. How's that? Sounds like a fair deal. <laughs> Perfect. 
<laughs> right. I have a question for you. How does one become a spook team member? Oh, a spook troop. Spook troop. Spook troop. Sorry. Yeah, spook troop. Go ahead. Well, um, we're looking at a couple different ways of doing it. At the moment, we're thinking of it being like a, a membership, a, a tier based membership, uh, maybe like a Patreon kind of thing. Mm hmm. Well, you'll be your tier membership will get you different benefits, you know, uh, whether it be, you know, an ID card, uh, pins, stickers, T-shirts. Uh, All the way up to a Spook Troop Ouija board. Yeah, Spook Troop Ouija board. Free night at the uh, Free Dead night at the Dead and Breakfast. Yeah. You know, and the cool thing about the Dead and Breakfast is if you're flying in, we'll pick you up at the airport and hearse. Wow. That's kind of, that's, yeah. yeah. I live in Connecticut, but I will, ha I will accept that. <laughs> I'll meet you at the airport. I'll drop my car off so just to get the ride in the hearse. I don't care. <laughs> well, that's the thing, though. Once you're here for the night, uh, maybe we'll, we'll go on a, uh, we'll jump in one of the hearses and go on a little uh, legend trip or something, you know, check something out local. We've got a lot of stuff around here. Oh, yeah. Connecticut, New England in general. Yes. Stuff. Oh, I, lo I love New England. I love this area. It's, oh, it, has, yeah. it has so much history to it, and just, I, lo I love the area. So when people say, oh, it's so boring in Connecticut, it's like, you really don't know what, what happens in Connecticut then, because there's so much so much going on here. Oh, yeah. yeah. So so right now, I know you said people, if they want to come over, but you haven't really started anything yet. So nope, No, not as of yet. Okay. Because I definitely, like I said, put my name on that waiting list. I want to go. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to open the museum probably first, mm -hmm. you know, where people can come over and check out the museum and the, the lab and things like that. And uh, a, month, a few months later, we hope to open up the uh, Dead and Breakfast. But we, kind of we can feel it out with the museum. And so many people just want to see some of the stuff that we've acquired. I mean, right. there's we've got, uh, you know, a painting by... Um, uh, Jack Kevorkian. Yeah, let's, uh, let's talk about that, because I, I, I was reading about that on your Facebook page. People who don't know, he, I mean, I, and I, I think you and I are on the same page, I completely agree with what he was doing. He wasn't killing people because just, you know, out of spite or just because he was a mean guy. He was killing people that really didn't want to live anymore, were in so much pain. He got permission from all the family members on video saying, I just can't live anymore. Yes, please. Um, put my father or mother out of their pain and but he had, there's so much more to him his paintings what you're talking about i remember when it was like the mid 90s he became really yep. popular with that so yeah. do you actually have one of the paintings uh we have an autograph print that he made of his paintings uh finding his paintings is just you know astronomically expensive and things like that but this he had 200 prints made and uh we've got one of them he autographed it and everything and uh you know we're getting ready to frame it uh, he was an author. He wrote a couple, he wrote like three books. He was a painter. Um, he was a musician. You can find his CDs out there. Uh, he was, uh, he, he was well-rounded. I mean, you know, and people tend to think, you know, Dr. Death and things like that and whatnot. And, and, you know, he had compassion. He did the same things with people that we do with our pets. Mm -hmm. you exactly. Know, and, we tend to not want them to go through pain, so we put them down peacefully and with their family. Mm -hmm. And you know, he was doing the same thing. You yeah, know, I, I mean, agree. Yeah, and it's just I think what happened was that they were trying to make and like put a make him like the the martyr or say like you know this is you shouldn't be doing this. He's he's really taken out of it because remember he was just leaving bodies at the hospital, which yeah, he he was being. I mean. 
like you said, the perfect way to put it was that he was being like like a pet. Like when you when your pet is in pain or your pet is dying, you're not going to keep it alive. It, it's selfish to do that. And if right, right. the person wants to die and he get and I remember seeing all these videos that he asked all the family members and he made sure that it wasn't just like, all right, yeah, dad's got the sniffles. Let's take him out in the back and shoot him. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like yeah. He would do multiple video interviews with the people uh, and it got to the point where, you know, I mean, he turned down hundreds more than what he went through. I mean, I forget how many he actually did. I think it was like 60 or 40. I don't know, somewhere around yeah. there. But, um, you know, and he never actually did them. The person had to pull the uh, the lever to the, mm. for the medications. That mm -hmm. was the legalities of it. And yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. I mean... I it, I think what they were doing was trying to make an example out of him because they were worried that everybody was going to start, you know, taking his example and saying, oh, well, yeah, but, you know, I don't know. I, I, I am completely with what he was doing. But, yeah, you mentioned the audio CD. He played flute on it from what I remember. Yes, yes he did. Yeah. He was the flautist. Yep. Yep, the flautist. And then I think one of his books, was it called Glimmer IQs? Glimmer IQs, yeah. There's actually one right over there that uh, he autographed. We got it from his, um, uh, his assistant. Oh, so you, you met his assistant? I talked with his assistant. I didn't actually meet him, but we oh. talked, and uh, this is before he passed. And, uh, yeah, so that book was uh, – I, I really treasure that book. What What is it about? Uh, it's basically – it's got his paintings in it. It's got uh, just various things from his brain that popped up while he was in prison. He wrote it while he was in prison, and it's just – it's all over the place. All right, I got I got to check that out. Is it is that a book that you can buy on Amazon or no? Uh, I'm not oh, sure no. if you can still get it on Amazon. I'm not <laughs> sure if it went into reprint. Yeah. I know you could probably find it on eBay. Not it's a lot of money. Not too cheap. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, well, when I go over to your house, I'll just have to check it out. Definitely. <laughs> well, I want to talk about some of your investigations, and I have a couple of them written down because one of the places I did go to, and I want to get. Your experiences on it was Stonehenge, New Hampshire. Ah. That was, I had a lot of fun. That was a blast. It really was. I had been there a few times, um, but the last time we actually, it was open for an investigation, and that was very interesting. Um, I don't think it's haunted per se or whatnot. I mean, there's a lot of, uh what would you say hypothesis on on the what it was used for you yeah. know was the sacrificial table a sacrificial table or was it for collecting rainwater i mean you know i can't say i wasn't there mm -hmm. it's really yeah. neat it's really cool you can definitely feel the connection with nature yeah and i didn't fall which is a good thing. yeah because she usually <laughs> falls you know if there's a blade of grass she will trip over it <laughs> And mind you, we did this at night, so by flashlight. By flashlight, there's no lights lamps. out there. Yeah. When you do places like that, do you have to get permission from the people, or do you just go on there and just hope the cops don't show up? No, uh, we we always have to have permission. Okay. Uh, that was actually. Um, that was an event. That was an event that one we of the first okay. paranormal events they had had there. Yeah. But as far as like sneaking into places, no. You know, we do, we are interested in these places, but if it's no trespassing, it's no trespassing for a reason. Okay, exactly. Um, I don't mm -hmm. want to be one of those people that something happens. You don't know who's in there squatting, 
whatnot, circumstances. I mean, I've seen just a couple of years ago, there was, I think it was down south where some people broke into an old mental hospital, paranormal investigators, mm-hmm. and the place burned to the ground. Yep. You know, mm-hmm. and it's just like, yeah, no. I would really like to, but I just have, you know, I, I can't do it. Well, it's funny that you mentioned that because when I used to go to the Warrens, Ed used to always tell me because we talked about Dudley Town a lot. He said, yes. don't go there. He goes, I'm not even, don't even, don't even worry about what's there. He goes, more about the satanic cults that hang out there and all the different people that are there. Be more afraid of them because, and it, he's right. It's like, so yeah. you, know, you never, who's that's there. And, that's um, exactly I, it. I, it was funny because I know it's in the Cornwall area and I was trying to find it, but everybody in town's like, Oh, I never heard of it. It's like, sure you haven't. You've been only lived here for 25 years. He never heard. Of, so I knew it's in that area. I could never find it. But just like you, I have respect. And I'm, I really don't feel like getting arrested for something stupid. Or I don't feel yeah. like getting arrested for anything. But I'm not going to get right. arrested for trespassing. Or something Something is destroyed. And I'm going to be at the wrong place at the wrong time. And they're going to think I was a part of it. So, yeah. I yeah. If I yeah. get permission or go on a tour, I'm more than happy to be a part of it. But. It's funny how no one knows where Dudley Town is, but if you park your car near it, it gets towed. Yeah, exactly. You know, it gets towed or the police just happen to show up out of nowhere and uh, you try going to the town hall and talking about it and you're going to get zero. The funniest thing was, as I mentioned before, and you know about this, the the big thing with the Warrens was the white lady at Stepney Cemetery and Union Cemetery. So my friends and I used to go down there like – I used to always try to say like between 12 and three, I used to always think there was some kind of special with the witching hour, devil's hour. So we were there and all of a sudden I see the flashlight from the cops and we're hiding underneath the, behind the tombstones. The cops like, I know you're there, get out. So I (laughs) got up and I said, I said, well, we were just looking for the white lady. And he laughed. He goes, you know how many, you know how many wackos the Warren sent here? He goes, you know how many nights I spent looking for that bitch? He goes, just go home. The cop was funny. He he just, but I'm so glad he was like that. But we actually, we did, I would say, oh, geez, this was probably about 20 years ago. I did sneak into one place. It was a, it was called Barahack. Yes. Old, old abandoned Welsh village. And uh, it's not too far from where we live now. And it was me and, and two other friends. We were paranormal investigators at the time. And we snuck in on Halloween. And we knew not to park near there because it would get towed. And we're walking out in the woods. This is out in the middle of nowhere. There's nothing around. And we heard something coming up behind us. So we jumped off the path and we were hiding just like as, as good as we could hiding. We took off like both of us wore glasses. So we hooked them off so it wouldn't reflect light or whatnot. And I would say there was about 15 or so people in robes that were walking up to the old foundations or whether may they, they may have walked past it because there's a cemetery out there as well. And uh, after they walked by, we gave them a little space. We looked at each other and we we're like, yeah, let's get the hell out of here. Wow. I've been there before too. Same I, thing. Yeah. I went there around maybe 11, 12 o'clock in the morning, 11 uh, night, 12 o'clock in the morning. Didn't see anything, but I'm trying to think, is this the place there's a river in that area? There is a river right by the entrance. There's a bridge. Yeah. There's a river there, and there's uh, the foundations are out there, and you keep walking the cemeteries a few miles out. Yeah, so I didn't make it that far. I think I I was walking. It was so dark out, and it was there was snow on the ground. All of a sudden, I felt something wet. My foot fell through the ice, and then I my foot was oh, so. Geez. We walked a little bit further, my friend and I, and we're like, eh, there's nothing around here. We took some pictures and went back home, tried to get them developed the next day. Didn't get anything, but 
All, all I ever used to get were orbs. And who yeah. even knows if that was, you know, it could have been just a reflection or something. Because like I said, back then we had the uh, disposable cameras. I would just take 30 pictures and hope for the best. Yeah, basically. And I would always tell the, uh, the people at the photo lab, I said, I don't care what they look like. Keep every picture. That's what <laughs> yeah. I want. Because yeah. I know they throw them out like, oh, this picture. He doesn't want this picture. Those are the ones I want. <laughs> exactly. Another one I want to talk about. I saw this recently, the Ritz Theater. Oh, oh, yeah, we just did that a couple weeks ago. Yeah, that was in New Jersey. And uh, it was it was fun. It was interesting. Actually, Danny scared the crap out of me there. Um, we were sitting in the audience and Sam, our friend Sam Beltrusis was talking. And all of a sudden he just like sat up and started swearing. And I was like, what the heck is going on? <laughs> well, it was, a, it was a night of, of uh, presentations and uh, paranormal investigating. So a few of us had given our presentations and then Sam was up last and he was giving his presentation. And then I saw something out of the corner of my eye that shouldn't have been there that I cannot explain. Um, it was like a second and a half long. It was about the size of a light bulb or a tennis ball. It was about as bright as if you look directly in the sun, that's how bright it was. And it had a small tail and it was probably about 20 feet up on the side of the, uh, theater yeah. and it just jetted. And the thing was, I wasn't the only person that saw it. Um, Dave was behind me and he saw it and we both looked at each other. We're like, what the fuck? <laughs> and, you know, we were yelling this during the lecture. <laughs> so the lecture stops. <laughs> we, like, we just saw something. Blah, blah, blah. And um, we, I feel good that I wasn't the only one that saw it. Yeah. Because I can't explain what it was. It shouldn't have been there. It should not have happened. There was no lights to match that in there. And oh. um, so, yeah, that was like, for me, that was that was really spectacular. That was amazing. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know what it was, yeah. uh, it, but it was it was a damn good night. I want to go back. Yeah, it was fun. And there was something else that I read. Did you find a dead body there? <laughs> no, we thought we remember when we were leaving the hotel. We oh, found those. Oh, we found on the side of the. Um, the fence oh, yes. in the marshy okay. marshy area it there was, were some bags yeah. garbage bags that were taped <laughs> and stuff so we kind of was like uh we we probably should check those just out of being good citizens but at the same time here we are you know it's like i don't yeah. know let's go over okay it doesn't smell let's poke it okay it's <laughs> it's trash okay yeah. Well, at least, you know, you had a hearse. You could have a place to put the body in. <laughs> yeah. We didn't take the hearse. We didn't take the hearse that time, oh. unfortunately. <laughs> Another place I haven't been to, but I definitely want to go to that I know you were at was Gettysburg. Oh, <gasps> wow. That place is, is just fantastic. We're going yeah. back in July. Mm -hmm. uh, they have the big Gettysburg bash down there. It's a big paranormal convention. Uh, we've never been. But we're going this year um, just as attendees, just to yeah. just to relax, check it, check it out. And by doing that and not vending, we can actually go out and investigate and, and things like that. I mm -hmm. mean, it's just, 
it's really tough to explain uh, what it's like there. I mean, it's so heavy. It's so, uh, there's just this feeling of dread that I always have. It's just, it's crazy. Sadness. Sadness. A lot of sadness. Um, but we had, we had an, a, quite the experience. Well, we didn't realize it. You're at not, the time. You're you not, not supposed to go in there at nighttime. It closes at sunset. Well, we were there around 1130-ish, midnight-ish, somewhere around there. The gate was open. Okay. It didn't say no <laughs> trespassing. It didn't say closed at sunset. But the gate was open. So we're like, well, let's drive through. So we yeah. drove through to Devil's Den. We parked at the bottom. We walked up the side uh, with a big tree opposite the other side that has the tower. And so we were up there. And we're checking stuff out. And we're looking. And... Uh, we see over on the other side of the Devil's Den, there was is the tower, and there was like a light, and it was like flashing a little bit. Yeah. So we had headlamps on. So I put my hand in front of the headlamp, and I'm trying to do like uh, Morse code kind of thing, and I'm like, "Send pizza, send pizza," and it started flickering back. And it, it was flickering back, and I was like, "Oh, that's awesome! That's so cool!" <laughs> and then we left. We came back the next day and we were yep. over on the other side where the tower is <clears> and there's a big plaque there talking about the history of the area and they used to use that point for signaling with lights to the other side of Devil's Den mm -hmm. and we were like freaked out. We're like, okay. Okay, did we just actually witness something? Did we have an experience or did someone else get in there at night and were messing around with us? Yeah. That's, that's funny. Well, well, I guess the most was... important the most important question is, did you ever get the pizza? We didn't get the pizza. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But uh, that place is just the Amazing. place that gets me is called the wheat field. The oh, wheat yeah. field is an eleven acre section where um, they say that after the battle had happened, you if you were to walk through the wheat field, your feet would not touch one inch of soil. soil. It would be all bodies. And these people were there for days, some not dead, some dying. And it got to the point where the hogs were coming out, the wild hogs were coming out of the woods and consuming what was there, whether they were alive or dead. Uh, I can't even imagine. I mean, you know. that kind of, that, that definitely has to leave some kind of energy there, has to. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely want to go there because I, I, I've i driven by there until there are other conventions I went to, but I never stopped there and stayed there. I want to stay there for at least a weekend. Because yes. I've, did you, do you two do tours at all? Like, I mean, not besides your museum, do you take people out like the Warrens used to and go on a little paranormal, like with the people maybe? The, we you said, do. We, I, I mean, I know your team, but do you take people on if they were interested in going on to an investigation with you? Yes, we do. Um, we've got one coming up at the, um, uh, what house is that? Damn it. Oh, the James House. The James House in New Hampshire. We've got one coming up. We haven't released the info on it yet. Um, but we also do what we call uh, cemetery picnics. What we'll do is we'll get people who are interested and we'll go all to the cemetery, uh, do a little investigation, um, have a picnic. And what we like to do is each person pick a, a gravestone and research it while we're there and then come back and talk to each other about what we found. Yeah. Uh, Cause there's so many stories that are untold that are in these cemeteries. So have you done that yet? Uh, we did one a couple of years ago. Uh, we did, yes. but we have, we do picnics all the time in the cemeteries ourselves. 
Right. I mean, so say, people don't realize that cemeteries used to be a place of, they were like parks back in the day. You would go and you would have picnic with your deceased family while the kids were playing ball and things like that. I mean, it was, that was common. And uh, it, it's, it's really relaxing. It is. I mean, you know what? Put me on that list too. Yeah, I, would, <laughs> I would love to do that. I wish they would have like QR codes on gravestones where you could just boop and then you get all the person's info. Yeah. That would be so, so incredible. I mean, the yeah. last time we were at one of them, uh, we found out the guy was like uh, one of the biggest shoe manufacturers in Massachusetts. Yeah. And it was just all his history and his family. And it was like, wow, yeah. we didn't know this. This is amazing. Yeah, it was 4th of July. Yeah, it was 4th of July. July. Yeah. Wow. There's a, I used to live in Wolcott. And it's pretty much, I'm, I'm not sure if you know that area. It's basically all woods. And there's a cemetery across the street from where I used to live from the Revolutionary War. There's people that would died in the Revolutionary War. So I can only imagine the history of that. I wish they, yeah, exactly. like you said, I wish they had a QR code or they had you know a number, you hit the button and you can listen to find out this person did this or this person was that. But I'm sure there's so much history. There's oh, yeah. so much that, so many untold stories. Mm-hmm. You know, you see a stone and all you see is their name and the day they died and how old they are. Mm -hmm. You don't know anything about them. So it's it's nice to... It's sad. It's sad, but You can't it's always nice to, get the info, but when we can, we like to, you know? Yeah. I mean, there are a few places I have heard, like over the past week, I've heard where there are some monuments where they're starting to put QR codes on and things mm -hmm. like that so you can get the history and things. And yeah. I, I think that's fantastic. Well, you know what? You two are innovators. You could start that too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we'll leave, that. We'll, we'll leave that to professionals. Yeah, you can fit it into your busy schedule. Come on. Yeah, sure. <laughs> one more thing. <laughs> what, uh, what, um, what's another investigation that I, I mean, I know you've done plenty, but what was one of the most interesting that you'll never forget? Hmm. Do you have one that stands out more than others? Lizzie. Lizzie Borden was really interesting. Mm -hmm. We did it. To, I've been there a few times, but the time we went uh, yeah. was the most. Um, it was my first time going to the house. Never been there before. It was March thirteenth, right before Friday COVID. The 13th, right before the big wave of COVID hit. Yeah. And um, we started doing the Estes method. It was the first Sam. time doing yep. Estes method, actually. Yes. Yep. And. Um, Danny was doing the Estes method in the basement, and I was the one who went he under. He went under, yeah, and I was old. filming next to him, and we had people in the audience that were holding some of our equipment. One of them was a clear camera, a heat signature camera, and she says, Lauren, there are hands going up towards your neck, and I could physically feel something starting to choke. Wow. So I started to shake. I couldn't hold the camera anymore. Finally, they, they said, oh, we're going to tap him out. We're going to tap him out. I can't hear. I can't see anything except for what's on the, uh, what I'm hearing through the spirit box. Mm -hmm. And the la one of the last things I said was, I'm coming. Just like that. Wow. And that's when I got tapped out. And as I was tapped out, Lauren was falling to the floor. And I grabbed her. She was, she was right next to me. Because I had no idea what was going on, and yeah. uh, that was that was pretty crazy. It was. Of course, I said afterwards, when are we coming back? Yeah. Right. 
I know I've, I've been there three times. I think the last time was maybe 2011, somewhere in there. But I wanted to, this was 2003 when I first went there. And I said, that, so I think it's, it was a bed and breakfast then. I'm not sure. Somebody told yep. me they were turning it into an escape room, which I hope that's not the case. Uh, they've got a lot of plans for it now mm-hmm. that aren't so great. But okay. yeah, I, I don't know. Well, the reason I bring that up was in 2003, I said, well, I'd love to spend the night there. And there, there was a year and a half waiting list back then. So I can only yep. imagine what it is now. I, I actually, it was, I think I went there in 2004 with my ex-wife. Uh, we stayed in the Morse room where the mother, the stepmother was killed. Yeah. We slept in that room. And it was nice because we had um, pretty much the only other people that were there were uh, Bill Clinton's Secret Service spent to a couple of them. So it was like, there was no one in the house. You know, uh, Leanne, she was out in the cabin out, out back mm-hmm. there and it was, it was fantastic. I mean, there was absolutely nothing happened, but yeah. I usually find like when we stay over in these places, I sleep like a baby. Oh yeah, that happened. Yeah. Yeah. Did you two um, investigate the Conjuring House? Uh, we went through it a few times. Uh, we didn't actually take the time to investigate it. No. Um, it's just, there's so many people that wanted to get in there and, you know, I just, I don't really want to get in the way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, Corey, they had so much going on and stuff. It was just like, you know, let everyone go through it. I honestly, I think it's more the land than the house myself. Agreed. I mean. Well, I agree as well. I said the same thing too, because there's people that don't believe anything at all. I said, even if you don't believe anything, just the land and the history of the house in general, not the whole paranormal aspect of it. It's such, right. It such has a great, rich history, and I was able to walk through. I didn't find. I mean, one of the shows I saw is there a cemetery in the back. I know no, I couldn't. Oh, yeah, I didn't. I couldn't find that. I mean, I walked through the woods and I was going through the trails, but I don't know for some reason. Maybe I did walk by it and I didn't realize it. But it's yeah. It's I agree with you too. I have enjoyed more the uh, the geographical aspect of it and the history of the house more than I did the paranormal. I mean, I definitely yeah. wanted to see something and I didn't, but just being there with it was great. Yeah. Fantastic. It is. All right. So I want to talk about some of the conventions. Like, I, as I mentioned in the beginning, the first one I met you at was Ocean State Paracon. That's in Rhode Island, which was originally in Harrisville. And that's where I met. It was so funny because, um, you know, my friend Lisa that I always go to these yes. Paracons with. Yep. So I was just joking around with her. I said, the, the first time Jen and Corey were there, I said, I'm going to meet them, become friends with them, and get invited to the house. She's like, yeah, okay, whatever, Rich. About two hours later, hey, Rich, you want to come to the house and uh, see what's going on? I was like, all right. So I became friends with them very quickly. And I've been over there several times. But uh, I remember the first time I met you two, you had your booth and you had the, you know, the, the paranormal, the cabinet of curiosity with you, the small portion of it, as you said. Yeah, and just, yeah. So another convention, the Warrens, you're, you're going to be at that one, Mohegan Sun. That's a great one, too. Yeah, yeah. it is. Yeah. You know what's yeah. great is I see a lot of the same people over and over again. So I go to like the one in Connecticut. I'll see them in Massachusetts. I'll see them in Rhode Island. I, I like that. Yeah. It's, it's yeah, sort of like, nice. a, it's like, a, like a little community where everybody knows each other, everybody's friends. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we have, try to help each other out and stuff like that. It's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. Like perfect example is Jimmy P. Such a great guy. Jimmy. Yes. Yeah. Love Jimmy. And another one, you know, the Warrens is always in October. Is that correct? Mohegan yes. Sun? No, this one I haven't been to is uh, the Mass Paracon. We're in Massachusetts. 
That one this year is um, in Plymouth, I believe, right? Plymouth, yeah. yes. It's in Plymouth. It's the Mass Paracon. It's uh, Sam Beltrusis puts that one on. Um, that one <laughs> is in September. The 29th to the 1st of, well, September 29th to um, October 1st. That's the only thing. I mean, I know that's the best time of the year for all these conventions, but I have so many things going on. I have the Chiller Convention, which is a, a, a convention where I meet all these different celebrities, and then they have all other Paracon conventions and so, then another movie convention. So it's just trying to fit all of them, oh. trying to get the days off from work. Like, Rich, you can't take uh -huh. September and October off. <laughs> it's like, no, but there's, I'm trying to try to fit them all in. Another one... The one I, I, to, I, meant, I, try to, I try to save my vacation time and yeah. like I'll work like but last year I think I worked three days in September mm. and like three days in October. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I gotta start doing that. I gotta start saving my vacation. <laughs> Another one in which I mentioned I uh hosted last year, it's in Ansonia, the Ansonia Armory by uh the shaman and showman, Charles Rosenay and Nicholas Grossman. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They run that. So they, they run two of them. They run the one in Ansonia, which I think is going to be May this year. Last year was May in July. May 13th and 14th. Yeah. Okay. So May 13th and 14th. Because you know why? I think the last two years they had it there it was in the middle of July. And that building gets so hot. People were drenched wow. in sweat. And I think maybe that's one of the reasons they're having a little bit earlier in the year. But they also, and this was this the first time you met them, was the Salem Paracon? They, they host that as well. Uh, the first time we met them was on the USS Salem. Mm-hmm. The we were just expo. yeah we were just there we met them and hit it off with them it was really cool they're like hey you should come do the salem paracon and I'm like sure why not yeah oh yeah. and the last one well last one that i saw that you're gonna be at and you mentioned it earlier was the sleepy hollow paracon yep. sleepy hollow yeah in new york when was that, that i'm guessing that takes place in october um actually no it's september 15th oh. 16th, 17th well, that's how when we're there, but I think yeah, it's just it's the only 16th. one day. Yeah, yeah. 16th. Yep. That one I haven't been to, and I definitely want to check it out. Is uh, is it? What was that? It's a lot of fun. Yeah, and what's cool is is the area that it's in. You can do a lot of exploration there. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, you've got the Sleepy Hollow Hollow Cemetery. Um, you know, there's all kinds of things in the area. Mm -hmm. We found the uh, with the help of a friend, we found the grave of the Leather Man which is a Connecticut, you know, he, mm -hmm. uh, he was actually buried right down the road from, you know, the Sleepy yeah. Hollow Cemetery. That was right. a highlight of my time there. It was amazing. Yeah. And we found where the headless horseman was buried, the Hessian. The unmarked grave. The unmarked grave. We actually, with the help of a friend, actually. We matched it up to some photos. Up. Yeah. And it was like, that's exactly it. Wow. That was, that was a great place to explore. Yeah. No, it's funny you mentioned the Leatherman because years ago, <clears throat> probably like 15 years ago, I bought a book from a, a Meriden, Connecticut historian. He wrote a book on the Leatherman. And I was so interested in that that they somebody wanted me to do a lecture on that. I don't remember a lot of the stories now, but I know he did the same route and he'd go through Connecticut, New York, and he used to sleep in all the caves in the area. Like yes. for me, I've been to the one in Watertown. I've been to the one in... Uh, Oh my God, I can't remember. It's in the Black Rock area. Southington, he had one. So I'd been to a couple of the caves and it was funny because back then people would like, they'd let the kids out from school, 
just so they can give him food because they know he'd be coming. Now he'd probably be arrested for vagrancy or they'd say, get out of here, you, you homeless guy or something. They would not have the same reaction that they had back then, but they loved, loved him back then. It's, it's such yeah, an interesting they, story. And the funny thing is, I'm sure you know this, they dug his body up, but they really couldn't do the DNA because the body was basically all dust because they wanted to find out who he really is. Nobody really, there's so many theories of who he is, but nobody knows for sure. Yeah, I've seen a few pictures and it's just amazing. I mean, uh, here's this guy who just would, for no one knows what reason, would do this loop, you know, just constantly. It was almost to the point of where you could pinpoint, you yeah. know, oh, Lucky Man should be coming into town soon. And they would leave baked goods on the windowsills for him and things like that. And it's just, why did he do this? Who was he and why? Mm. These are the things that we love. We love these little mysteries. Yeah. Yeah. Our no, I, I love that too. And uh, there, I know one theory was, and it's, again, nobody could prove it, but <clears throat> he married this rich French woman and uh, the father had all these leather factories. He took over one of the factories and it went under and then he had a nervous breakdown and just took off and started walking. And that's why he had all yeah. the leather. But I actually, I could send it to you. I have pictures at the uh, Hartford Connecticut Historical Society where I'm wearing the leather man's glove. I have a picture of no. me wearing Yeah. His actual glove? Yes. Yep. Wow, that's huge. Yep. That's amazing. Yeah, they, they, I don't know if they even still let you do that anymore. This was like years ago when I was like, wow, that's like, yeah, take a picture with it. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think you could do that now. <laughs> no, exactly. It's things have gotten a lot stricter, but I'm glad that was because I'm glad that I was able to see that because I, I love history. And I, that's why I mentioned before, and you mentioned that there's so many great things about the Connecticut area and there's so much history. And that's just one example. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Well, not you two are not, as we mentioned throughout the whole interview, not one to rest on your laurels. You are also the owner, operator, and photographer at DLP Photography. Oh, yeah, I do a little bit of that as well. <laughs> yeah, it's um, not usually for hire. You know, I'm not going to do a wedding. I'm not going to do your graduation photos or anything like that. Um, basically, what I do is, is for my own enjoyment. Um, I love nature photography i love animal photography uh if it's creepy the better you know and <laughs> I, I, lauren has talked me into selling prints at the conventions i thought it would be a flop but we sold out in like record-breaking time yeah. and i was just like oh. Are you yeah this is uh, what uh, so it was like okay so yeah I, it's it's almost like therapy doing it yeah yeah so, so you do just do that on the side as well still yeah, yeah. You know, I'll go take a walk after work somewhere or stop by someplace and just, you know, shoot some shots. All right. Our favorite place to go is Sturbridge Village. So yes. that's yeah. actually where we met. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. So yeah, we that's our Christmas present to each other every year is a like membership. A membership. So I, it was funny because that used to be a school field trip, maybe like third or fourth grade. I haven't been there in years. And I took my wife recently because she was never there maybe about two years ago. And I said, I love that place. It's, yeah. Because yeah, they have all the reenactments and, and you go into each room and they're, they are the person from that time period. And they're talking to you as that person. I, I love it. Fantastic. So it smells. Love yes. the smell. It was so great to have you two finally on the show after three or four years. I wanted to have you on the show before we go though. Is there, is there anything that I missed that you want to go over anything you want to add? I don't, know. I don't think 
so. I th- yeah, I think yeah, we did everything. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Try, try to cover it all. <laughs> Hell of a job. All right. Thank you very much, sir. But sorry, we'll leave off with this then. What's next and where can people find you? Ooh. Ooh. Well, well www.theradicals.org. That's the radicals with a K. R-A-D-I-K-A-L-S. And what's up next? Next? I don't think we even know what's going to yeah. happen tomorrow. <laughs> I mean, uh, stay oh. tuned. We're working on another book. Yes. Uh, this book is going to be... Um, Whereas the first book was, uh, you know, Paranormal 101 to say, this one is going to be uh, our, our life growing up, being uh, having these experiences with the paranormal, as well as a lot of the experiences we've had taking in some of the items. There's some stories that are kind of chilling, uh, picking up some of these items. Oh, yeah. Things that like <laughs> I probably should not have done alone uh, and things like that. So all these stories are going to be shared uh, in the next book. Well, you know what? I'm already going to put my name on the list for, of that too, to, uh, when you, for a pre-order, <laughs> it's not even written yet, but I'm already on the list for a pre-order. <laughs> so, you know, what? well, if I don't, I'm definitely going to see you at one of the Paracons. Um, de- definitely the Connecticut one, probably the Salem sleepy house. So you're, you're going to see a lot of me. And then also whenever I can, I would love to do the cemetery and the, uh, the house tour. Oh, definitely. Right. Yeah. Without a doubt. All right. Danny, Lauren, once again, it was so great to have you on the show. I appreciate it. Thank Thank you for having us. All right. That wraps up the latest episode of The Claws Corner. A huge thanks goes out to paranormal investigators Danny and Lauren Radical for taking time out of their extremely busy schedule to be on the show. I also need to thank editor extraordinaire John Bristol of Elmwood Productions for always doing a superb job editing the show each and every week and making it available to all. I am also extremely grateful to Joseph Timothy Quirk and Rob Bull for all of their hard work and dedication, making my show available on several Connecticut radio stations, as well as Spotify, iTunes, Amazon Music, Audible, and iHeartRadio. It's greatly appreciated. And lastly, but definitely not least, I need to thank you, the viewer, for always tuning in. Enjoy your day, everyone. Diaphragm again? Ha! We caught one. They're supposed to be weird. Oh, yeah, no. If you say so. I've always wanted to be in a movie. Turn around, girl.